ever since I moved to New York, my level of responsibility just spiked 200%. Just been a fucking slippery slope. You were like, I live in New York. I'm important. Hey, welcome back to a new episode of Little Geek Lost. I know it's weird that I always say new. It's it's a new episode. It's not a repeat of an old episode. I have a special guest on. I have Brian Ross from the Life Bites podcast. We talk about horror movies and movies and podcasting and all sorts of things. We kind of came, he was supposed to come on with the intent of talking about horror movies. One in particular, we talk about it a little bit, the movie it follows. And we talk about other horror movies and the genre in general. Genre in general. There you go. (laughs) So hopefully you enjoy this podcast. Check him out um, with his co-host Derek and Eric. They're not twins. (laughs) At Life Bites on iTunes and everything where you find podcasts. And hopefully you enjoy this show. My town is like super small. So it's like 100,000 people in shitty Thunder Bay. And like the tallest building is probably an apartment building that's maybe 10 stories. Wow. Yeah. And it was crazy because, like, a few years ago, I went to, like, California. So I was in, like, um, Anaheim and we went for, like, a tour in L.A. and stuff. And they're like, oh, this is, like, downtown L.A. And it's, like, the 10 buildings. But it looks, like, like so much more. Like, it would be so much more you see it on TV oh, yeah. and stuff. LA and it's just, is, like, a block. <laughs> L.A. is crazy big. It's big. It's, like, the opposite of New York as far as being big. Like, New York is compressed. It's only, like, 10 miles, 10 square miles, it seems. Yeah. It's probably more than that, but it's just so compressed into like millions and millions of people. And LA is the same. Like, yeah, it's half the population, but like it's just spread out. Yeah, it was crazy. It's just so much wider. And it's all and, like the like the little towns too, right? So I mean, because you go yeah. through and we were like staying in Anaheim, and then we took like this bus tour, so it went to go to like Venice and Beverly Hills and Santa Monica, and the guys like there's Compton over there. <laughs> Well, New York is actually very similar, just on a smaller scale, because, you know, you have the boroughs, the five boroughs, and then you have the neighborhoods within the boroughs. So, like, I live in Brooklyn, but I don't just live in Brooklyn. I live in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, which is like a neighborhood. Actually, not even a neighborhood. It's like a section of Brooklyn. And then on top of that, I live in, like, a small part of Bay Ridge. So, it's it's weird. It's it's like a compressed L.A., hardcore. Like It's it's so weird, like... I don't know if it's just, like, being in, in, like, a small town in Canada or what, but you see, like, L.A. and New York and shit, and it's, like, like these weird mythical places. <laughs> like, it's just, because you see it so much on TV that you think, they're like, oh, I know what it's like, you know, being there, and I can't imagine, like, actually, like, being there and seeing it as, like, going to Vegas, and it's, like, this is just bizarre, actually being here. You know what's funny is, uh, the, I think, I think like, the uh, pop culture... Um, like uh, maybe not pop culture, but but the the whole idea people have of L.A. and New York is inaccurate in L.A. and spot on in New York. <laughs> it is not. It is exactly what you think in New York. Like it is a hundred percent the way you would imagine. Crazy, but in LA, busy, and full of rude people. <laughs> right. Well, because every every has shit to do. Every has shit to do all the time, and everybody's in a hurry, and everybody's stressed out. And everybody's working three jobs and working twelve hours a day, and they're paying out the ass for rent, and then. The only thing about New York that's probably not talked a lot about, and it's maybe just because I'm a Californian living in New York, 
is that the people are really cool. Like I think that they're super, everybody I've met is very like, I think, I think it's just living here. You're forced to be your best you or you, (laughs) you won't make it. You just have, you have to be on your shit and you have to be real. There's like no time for fakeness. Everybody I've met is always like really just themselves. It was the opposite in LA. Everybody had this like guard, this, this, uh, kind of like social armor that they, (laughs) that they wore and you had to get past that to get to know them. And in New York, it's just right up front. It's just like, what's up? Yeah. Here's my problems. Here's my fucking, here's where I'm cool. What's <laughs> up? I got 15 minutes. Let's get fucked up. You know? And then everybody has this cool accent here. Like I have an accent here and I'm like, I didn't even realize I had one until I moved here. <laughs> I have a wicked Canadian accent. Not really. Sometimes I say like, I don't know, I guess it's just certain words. And then sometimes I'll listen back to podcasts. And I'm just like, oh my God, it sounds so Oh yeah. I, I hate hearing myself whenever I, when I'm editing, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> but it, it's okay. I balance it out with Derek's voice because he has this real monotone. I think it's like, I picked up weird ways of saying like pants and park and car and bar. <laughs> well, they, they, they make fun of me because I say horror. And they say horror, and I'm like, no, it's horror. Horror. They're like, nah. They're like, nah. You're saying horror. I'm like, I'm not saying, I'm not saying horror. There's no a in it. <laughs> well, it's like, like the whole of boot myth. That's a myth. Yeah. Oh, I know that. I know a lot. I have a lot of Canadian friends, and um, only a couple of them do the boot thing. I think that's like more of like a closer to Minnesota Canadian kind of people. No, because I'm like half hour away from Minnesota. 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 <laughs> See, there you, you just, go. <laughs> just fucking proved yourself wrong already. I know. No, because it's like, it's Alberta says a boot and the Newfies say a boot. That's that's all good. Uh, <laughs> you know, what's funny is whenever I'm getting drunk around people from wherever they are, the more drunker they get, the more they're like where they're from comes out. <laughs> I imagine it's the same with Canadians. Because like, I'm around New York people and... <laughs> They're fucking, they get really New Yorker when they're drunk. Like, <laughs> like, ah, this fucking guy, Tony, he fucking got some coffee. And I'm like, that's awesome. But you ain't smart. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is real. And they're like, you sound weird. And I'm like, you sound weird. When I get drunk, my ADD filter just goes away and it's like complete like squirrel mode. And it's impossible. And I always feel bad. Like my best friend and I do like drunk podcasts every once in a while. And it's just like, I feel so bad for having to put up with me or we'll like call people and then I get bored talking to them. I'm just like, okay, bye. And I just hang up on them. <laughs> That's every podcast I've done. <laughs> I think I've done like two episodes of, of Life Fights fucking sober. <laughs> so it's, it's a fucking problem. It's not even. <laughs> I haven't done you know, any high yet though. I got to do that. Oh, I couldn't even. It depends Maybe what kind of high we're talking about. When, uh, it's technically legal here. Oh, you mean that kind of high? Yeah, that's... I couldn't even... I wouldn't even be able to process that. I'd be like, dude, you know what's good? Fucking corn nuts. <laughs> like, it's not even the subject. I'm like, I don't care. I just want some nacho cheese corn nuts, dude. I made this and, amazing thing. It was like peanut butter and cereal balls. <laughs> and that's literally all it was. It was just like peanut butter mixed with like corn flakes. And then I, the next time I mix like ice cream with it. And it was amazing. <laughs> Oh, I've, I, you know, I used to have this like um, album when I first made my Facebook because I was back then I was smoking like a lot of pot, and I had a whole album of just shit I made when I was stoned out of my mind. It was like a, a gallery of like ridiculous shit that actually was pretty good. <laughs> it was like a ham sandwich with chopped up pickles and Doritos and peanut butter, and 
and toasted. And I'm like, and I'm eating. I'm like, this is a great. I'm, I'm thinking I'm a genius. Like I just fucking I'm the I'm the Steve Jobs of fucking sandwiches. And then I wake up. I'm like, what the fuck did I eat? My stomach's fucking hurting. <laughs> You're like, why so, am I so sick? <laughs> uh, my stomach's good now. It's been calloused. I can just I just fucking ramen noodle slim jim breakfast and it's no no worries so <laughs> i just pretty sad. Of, like caffeine either coffee or energy drinks, oh, but that's like yeah. the gamer in me <laughs> no for real though my work has a cold brew on tap oh, like they have amazing. a tap of cold brew next to it is two beers really problematic for me because <laughs> i go from like one fucking thing to another i'm like oh, i'm so tired and halfway through the day i'm like oh, i'm not, i just want to drink i'm like you're it's- just like mixing them at some point like making like you know, swamp always. water at the Seven <laughs> Eleven. Always mixing. <laughs> I'm always fucking mixing. It's bad, and I make some fucking pretty important decisions in my work. And if anybody knew how fucking fifty um, fifty, <laughs> yeah, how fifty fifty I am on it. <laughs> I'm like, sure, seventy thousand dollars. This is fucking bad. That sounds good. That's a good quote. <laughs> this coffee tastes funny. <laughs> we have a full bar in my work. It's crazy. They're like low-key drinkers but they're not low-key actually it's it's great my work is great i love my fucking job but we got keychains for like respect day they gave us all keychains with our initials on them but then they gave me the wrong one respect day yeah what is respect day it's like something in the city like because where i work is technically part of the city and it's like you're supposed to like respect people and coworkers and just like you know i guess be nice or whatever so they're like oh we can have cupcakes and we got everyone a keychain with their initials on them but then they gave me the wrong one and i was like sweet thanks for respecting me <laughs> that's that's like that should be irony day i know i was like that's, that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> oh man are you gonna use any of this in the show because <laughs> you definitely know. you definitely should there's a lot of there's a lot of good material probably here. i sometimes do that i'll just do the intro afterwards <laughs> or I'll just leave that's, it as is because I hate editing. <laughs> Editing's the worst. I love it. That's I'm I'm like that's my that's like my my uh my major skill. Like I love editing. I'm a super I'll sit really there, I'll intense like, editor. Look through at like the file and see where like the audio is kind of low, and I'll fix that. And if there's like big pauses. I'll cut them out. And then like if there's something that like I need to cut out, I just kind of make like a time note of it, and then I don't have to like listen to the file afterwards. <laughs> and I just go yeah. through and put it up, and it's good to go. Hey, it works. It works. We're, we get a little too clinical in ours, but our fucking we always have fucking problems. I'm like we have the same co- we have the same equipment, <laughs> except for <laughs> except for Eric. He's like going off a completely different mic, and it always sounds shoddy. And I'm like, God damn it! I, I just need to go back to Oregon. And us all be in the same goddamn room. <laughs> He's like talking Actually, on his cell phone I, out in the bush. <laughs> no, it's not that. He just has a fucking like, it's echoey. It's not like me and Derek have the exact same equipment. Like we bought it verbatim. And I think that like our, our audio quality is pretty good. And then we bring Eric in. He's on like a different equipment. And he's in like an echoey place. And, and it's just like really compromised. You can tell. And I, I, to me, I'm like weird about that. I feel like that kind of breaks the immersion of listening to a podcast when some when one of the hosts is like obviously not there. Yeah. Because because you can't really tell me and Derek aren't even in the same state anymore. I think with the way we talk to each other, our banter and our mic quality. But when we bring Eric into it, and Eric is awesome. Like he's hilarious. I think he's a great um, entry into the show. But he uh, his 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 setup is just like it's killing me as an editor. I'm like, <laughs> Fuck. 
But I'm gonna be there in a week, so I'm gonna just we'll just meet all up and be like, I won't have my equipment, so it won't matter. But you were supposed to be on my show too and ditched me. You guys are fucking brutal, man. I didn't ditch you. I'm on your show right now. Yeah, right now. <laughs> That's true. I'm so, hey, listen, Derek can atone. I I I do the same shit to him, so. <laughs> That's, I'm a, his, that's his problem then. <laughs> serial serial flakist with him. So if we lived in the same city, it'd be a lot easier. It's just, I was like, oh yeah, we'll totally. This will be fine. There'll be no problems. And it's just nothing but problems. Like I've like never podcast with anyone in the same city except for like when my best friend and me like do drunk podcasts at her house. Everyone else I've ever podcasted with has like not been in the same city or mostly not in the same country. Maybe that's what it is. You have better uh, experience, and I just have no experience with it. I don't even know how to. I'm the worst with scheduling. I've always been bad at scheduling. So, yeah, that's that's my excuse. <laughs> also, I I love to do this shit, and and I've just had like a complete ridiculous amount series of unfortunate events. I didn't even say that sentence right, but it's just been fucking really, really, really weird. No, that shit happens. I've had like months, months like that where like you know it's just been a major one thing after another and it's just like what is even happening <laughs> well for me it was just like it was like fucking massive life depressing things happening yeah. right after i got over one of them and i'm like fuck man this is uphill battle yeah. and it when it starts fucking with you when it starts affecting like things you like to do that's that's when you realize it's a problem because you don't even have the the ability to like push yourself to want to do something you like you just want to fucking yeah. you know, like ah, fuck the world it's easy to be cynical but i got over that hump so i feel a lot better now Unfortunately, I need to record more episodes with Derek because he's like <laughs> fuming at me right now. I think it's one of those things too, where like his podcasting usually ends up at like the bottom of the list of things, right? In priority, and it's, not really. Well, I mean, when you have like life stuff going on, you're not focused on podcasting; you're focused on that. And it's it's Absolutely. easy that like the longer you go without it, it's the harder it is to get back into it. Yeah, because you're definitely not going to be like, you know what, i got to schedule 4 o'clock having a custody uh, argument with, with my baby's mama. You know, like, you know, yeah. like, I can't be like, hey, man, I'd love to have this conversation, but I have this podcast to do. That doesn't work in your favor. Or it's like, oh, uh, <laughs> you know, my father-in-law's in the hospital dying, but hey, i got to go record this podcast. But then again, you know, like Brent, like he was my mentor, and he, nothing would stop him from it. And that's why I was like, I kind of, every time I'm, I'm fucking up with my show, I'm like, man, Brent, it's so fucking disappointing to me right now. Because I grew up with I grew up with Brent Van Tassel like he is, I I've watched his children grow and I was very close. He was like kind of a father figure to me in some ways, even though I had a great dad. But um, he he really instilled a lot of work ethic in me, and I think the longer I've been away from him, the more I've just slipped into this kind of like <laughs> slackery. And his show's killing it. I mean, they're yeah. just fuck, they're amazing. And he wasn't even into the shit. Like I was the guy that was into this kind of shit. Like, <laughs> I'm the one with the school for like multimedia design and what did all like skits and YouTube and editing. And he just, the thing about Brent though, is that no matter what Brent is obsessed with, it's going to succeed. It's shown his entire life. He just has that, that, that drive. The thing with podcasts too, it's so weird because it's like, there's no formula or like, you know, set thing to follow. It's like when something clicks, it just clicks and you can't really explain why it clicks. Uh, I agree and disagree because uh, some really polished shows like um, anything from Gimlet Media, you can tell is like produced like it's literally a show. Like you can tell everything is planned out to a yeah. T. But then you take a show like Sofa King, which is they all study. Like I know the whole format of how how they prep for a show. I don't know about now anymore, but like when they first started and, you know, they all get the idea of what's going on. 
and then they'll like research it and they come in the next day and it's very impromptu. You know what I mean? It's not as it's it's not as like a it's not like a fucking sitcom being filmed. But they just have such good chemistry and they have well, such good. That's what I mean. Like as far as like telling like what's going to be popular because people are always like, right. how do I get more listens? And this this podcast is like similar to my podcast, but you know this one's more popular than I am, and it's there's it's like hard to find like that magic formula. <laughs> you know that like, to me it's not even a popular. formula. You know what it is? It's like when people try to figure out the algorithm to, to being viral, right? Yeah, exactly. You have no you have no control over it. No. The only thing that's gonna make you popular is keeping like the the consistency and and the um, continuity of of being passionate. Yeah. Like, and one thing I've learned is like the first problem I had when I first created shows, any show, even when it was YouTube or whatever I was doing, even podcasts, I was spreading myself out too thin. I wasn't I wasn't focused on one thing. And I was tr- trying to give 100% on everything I was doing, and it was exhausting, and everything was yeah. only coming out. Everything was only coming out 50%. And then me and Derek were like, "Fuck it, we're just doing this show." And if you notice, like the first 20 episodes, like we really like fucking, we were super passionate, and then but we were awkward. We never really had this, like, and eventually we got comfortable, and then got this rhythm, and then it became what it is. And now it's just fucking kind of falling apart. But it's it ain't <laughs> it ain't done for sure. It's just it's just it. it <laughs> Living in New York fucked it all up. I'll be yeah. honest with you. Like, uh, I have all these side projects I want to do, but I feel like I don't want to release them because it would just be a slap in the face of Derek, and, and he's <laughs> he's working his ass off on the on the animated series, and I'm like, fuck, man. Like, I'm just like when I meet him when I go back to town in a week, uh, in Oregon, I'm gonna definitely sit down and tell him like, dude, we gotta figure some shit out here. Like, I'm sorry, I've been super disappointed in you. You've been working really hard, like. Let's just settle something right now and figure out what we're going to do moving forward. Because we're not going to give up on the show. It's just fun. You know? and, and like we don't give a fuck about the views. We don't give a fuck about the, the listens. And once we started not giving a fuck, I don't know what it was, but we started getting a lot of listens. Like We, we, <laughs> we surpassed like 20,000, which is like a drop in the bucket to big shows. But to me, I'm like, fuck, man. We did 2,000, 3,000 downloads this month. That's crazy. And some shows... Like the more you do shit, the more you get analytics of, of, of like what people like about you yeah. because they, people don't like podcasts for the topics unless you're a fucking true crime podcast because that's like the fucking trend. Yeah, they like they eventually just like the personalities. Yeah, exactly. You know, they listen for that. They listen for the the person. You know, and just like you had you got to consider it like a talk show. Like people have their talk show hosts they like. Some people were fucking Letterman people. Some people were Leno. Some people were Conan. But they were all different. Like th- those crowds didn't really bleed into each other. Sometimes they were like, oh, I kind of like Leno, but I love Conan. Or somebody was like, oh, I love Dave Letterman, but I fucking hate Conan. And that's the way it's ultimately a talk show. Yes. You know? And because talk shows are, are, are prompt too. They, they, you know, they have a, they have a, a list of things they're going to talk about, but it's not word for word scripted. And people tune in because of your personality. And I think that like, I don't even know why I'm going into this, but <laughs> I think it's only because it's, it's just what I've learned from podcasting you know like I, I tried for years to get viral i tried years for many different outlets and the only time it really clicked was when i stopped caring about the numbers and i started just yeah. having making it my full-blown hobby and i like ditched like all my other projects and focused on one and that's when it really went to the next level and now i've like downshifted it back to like not being near there like my my listens have gone down so much since we haven't been releasing episodes <laughs> but we're going to. So, for sure. I guarantee you that. I have so many good episodes that I need to put out there. We haven't even touched the best episode yet, which Derek is still unaware of, and he's going to be mad about <laughs> When you go back there, make sure you grab one of the little geek loss stickers. Oh, yeah. 
I know you sent him a bunch of the stuff. Yep. <laughs> so I guess we should probably talk a little bit about what the topic was supposed to be. What was it supposed to be? <laughs> you wanted to I'm come on sure. and talk about It Follows. Right, right. But I'm not sure if your show is built on like um, having like no. an overall topic or just having a direct topic. It's kind of built on like usually the guests are just like, hey, I want to talk about this. And I'm like, cool, let's just talk about that. Well, yeah, for <laughs> it's sure. It's just I, like hanging out. I was blindsided by um, that movie in particular because I have this I have this weird hobby of like looking up fucked up shit, right? Like I'm not trying to look up like like uh, live leak murder videos or watch people die kind of things. I'm just always in the search for things that fuck with you. Like when it comes to horror movies, I appreciate slasher films, right? Because I came from the 80s. I was yeah. like 80s. 80s baby so i, I was like there a lover of slasher movies right so we we know like what good slasher movies mm-hmm. are we know that the jasons the freddies fucking halloween they tried to rejuvenate that in like the late 90s and early 2000s but they got too obsessed with gore porn yeah. which was you know the saws the fucking hostels it went a weird direction and then it got really i noticed there's trends in horror right like it's oh yeah there's, there's right now. I, we might be coming out of it. I think we are because I think the, the current run of like really good horror movies have actually been good. But then again, my opinion doesn't. It. I don't speak for the general public. <laughs> but we we got out of the conjuring fucking like rhythm of every movie's about a haunted house mm-hmm. and some and some dead kid. And I hated those movies. I'm like, I don't. This doesn't scare me. I. It's just, this is the standard. Like oh, and it's a lot of jump scare buildups. Yeah. You know, like there's there's actually a lot of movies I watched that I thought would have been great if they didn't fuck up a certain part of it. And one of them was, um, God, what was the name of that movie? Uh, not Disturbia. Oh, uh, what the fuck's the name of it? Had to do with the Sinister. I thought Sinister. Oh yeah. I thought yeah. Sinister could have been brilliant if they didn't have a fucking actual demony thing in it. Yeah. Because it was like there was a there's a scene in Sinister where he's looking at tapes and it's like the the lawnmower scene. Oh And yeah. that scene. That scene fucked me up. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know what was going to happen. And then when it did, I was like, "Oh man!" But then at the same time, being somebody who went to film school and wanted to be a director and a writer, I thought like they fucked this scene up by having any music in it. Because you know, right when something shitty happens in the video, I don't want to ruin it. People haven't seen it, but when the thing happens in the in the infamous um, lawnmower scene, they have this real jump of like orchestrated music. Of, yeah. you know, and I'm like, man, it would have been so much more creepier if it was just still silent. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And it just cut to the person watching it being freaked out. And I'm like, man, that's what we miss. We miss people are missing the mark as horror directors and being disturbing and not trying to just cut to a quick, easy scare. It's not a we went to. You know what I call it? I call it the fun house horror movie generation where you're just going through like a a scary fun house, you know, like where, oh, this room looks weird. No, something jumps out and scares you or, oh, this is. Oh, there's well, a lot. That was of like the worst part of like the Paranormal Activity movies, where you're like they're showing the cam, and you're like, you know, something's going to happen in the scene that's going to startle you, and that's about it. Right, but you wish that they wouldn't have done that. Yeah, you wish you wish that the weirdness would have just happened in the middle of nowhere. A lot of movies don't do that. They don't have a lot of horror happen in broad daylight in the middle of dialogue. Yeah, and that's that's what's disturbing because if you're caught off guard by something, if you think about th- times in your life where you've experienced things that have fucking terrified you and you've maybe felt like your life was threatened, there definitely wasn't a build up to it. I think it one just, of like the biggest parts for me goes back to Blair Witch Project 
when they're like in the tent and it's being like rustled and you hear like babies crying and a little kid yeah. laughing and shit and they just run out and you don't see what it is because right. it's like your brain just puts out like whatever you think is scary there. That's there's a brilliance to that movie and I love that it kind of like it did, it wasn't really the beginning of found footage films but I have this I have this deep love for found footage films because I love the idea of creating something off a low budget that still has the same effect as something with a high budget and the Blair Witch was the epitome of that. Mm-hmm. Like it absolutely fucked with everybody. And in retrospect, you watch it now and it's kind of, you know, it hasn't really held up because now we have everything that's been inspired by it and, you know, and things with small and big budgets. But honestly, I have to agree 100% because you, the Blair Witch did a great job of putting you in the fucking forest with them. Yeah, exactly. You were feeling the same immersion they were. And movies don't do that. They just give you this, like, lately, like a lot of these horror movies, they don't give you that immersion. They just give you these characters and you're like, somebody's going to die and nope, oh, something's going to happen here. And, oh, guess what? This house is haunted and here's a dead kid and here's a backstory behind it. There's a fucking solution. And I'm like, oh, God. But I will say this year I've seen an incredible amount of amazing films, uh, horror movies. And I feel like, I feel like we're, we're, we're right on the cusp of maybe like, the golden age of new good horror movies. I like that we're getting back towards like fun horror movies. Like I watched Happy Death Day like way too many times. I love that movie. And I love like the old like the slasher ones and like I love the Final yeah. Destination series where it's just it's not comedy horror but it's more like fun interesting horror. Not but, just getting, like, but you know what you're going into. Shit. Yeah exactly. And yeah, like, yeah. the new one coming like, out Hellfest seems like it's along those lines and it's a lot of like the Blumhouse ones especially but it's I like that that we're getting back to that and away from like the stupid you know torture porn and the sake of gore just for you know just for the sake of it like oh here's someone's eyeball hanging out Ooh, isn't that creepy or generic or generic slasher films with like with nothing behind them that makes them fun you know like oh Jeepers Creepers and like actually Jeepers Creepers was okay except for the director being a child rapist but (laughs) the the but that's why I like feel- Freddie and Jason were so great because it was like, like the like yeah, it was campy, but it was like fun, but it was also scary. It's always been campy. It has to be. You can't yeah. make a serious. You can't make a serious Freddie or Jason movie. You know like, that would people wouldn't even accept it. I feel that we're. I think Netflix helped a lot with that. Yeah. I think Netflix opened the realm for people to express like their passion for horror without having to deal with a bunch of producers telling them how to make the movie. Yes, and that's exactly. What, that's why we've had a, an incredible run in the last couple of years of actually pretty good Netflix original horror movies and just other ones that like were in theaters but made their way to Netflix and I had no idea they even existed. I mean, I watched so I mean, I, I, I saw four good horror movies this year. And I'm not saying they were all released this year. Some of them were. Some of them were last year and some of them were a couple of years ago. But, I mean, I can't even tell you a year in the past ten years that I can tell you that I've seen four good horror movies yeah. in one year. That's the thing that, like, I have a really hard time with. I'm really good at finding bad movies. And not bad movies as in, like, ooh, cool, B bad movies. Just as in, like, really shitty movies. Yeah. And for me, it's like, when the movie's, you know, an hour and a half long or an hour and 20 minutes or whatever, and it's 40 minutes into the movie before there's, like, major plot or something happening, I end up turning it off. But see, but (laughs) that's... Are you talking about The Witch? Because it sounds like you're describing The Witch. Well, there's The Witch, too, which I've you know i have my own issues with but there's been several of them where i'll like find i'm like oh this is an interesting story and it's like 35 minutes 40 minutes in i'm like okay 
<laughs> like, is it just going to be the last 10 minutes of the movie that something happens? Like, I want, like, a good story along with the movie. So there's three movies in particular that, that um, based off what you're telling me right now, that didn't fit that. They didn't fit that at all. They just kind of – they had peppered in a lot of disturbing shit early on but also kept you engaged because you weren't sitting around letting a, letting a movie tell you the backstory. You know, like I, I think that's what you're saying is like I yeah. hate when a movie's sitting here having to explain to me all the characters Too and their background backstory, yeah. before, before it starts getting weird. Yeah. So, so one movie in particular was Get Out and Get Out was – Interesting to me because it wasn't like a real horror movie. Yeah, it was... see, I, I like Get Out, but I also like there was the buildup, but it didn't seem like you're just waiting around being bored. No, it's entertaining. Like yeah. I laughed, I laughed so many times that movie, and I didn't know if I should have. And it wasn't like, oh, it's so bad. I laughed at the awkwardness. Yeah. Like the director did a really great job of capturing awkwardness in a horror movie. Yeah. And and kind of addressing a uh, a subject matter that isn't addressed a lot, which is like. Like racism, but from the sense of being like praised for yeah. you know. And, but that movie's that movie's great, but it wasn't my favorite of the three. And then the second one um, I I watched was uh, Hereditary, and Hereditary really uh, not since it, it disturbed the fuck out of me because I didn't I, all these movies I walked into I didn't know I I tried to like walk into movies blind. I go off like people being like this movie's great, but I try my best to not like see a spoiler or even look at the trailer. And especially with horror movies, because I'm so fucking, I have this chip on my shoulder for them, you know? <laughs> I hate to admit it, it's like my least favorite genre, but it's my favorite thing. Like, it's, it's it pisses me off. Like, I love, I think reality is scarier than than movies, right? Because a, a, a living person is way more terrifying than a dead person. Yeah. But I want to I see movies where I'm proven wrong for a little bit, for two hours. And Hereditary fucked with me, because Hereditary reminded me a lot of the way I felt when I first watched Requiem for a Dream which was, I'm never watching this movie again, <laughs> but I really liked it, and it fucked with my emotions. Except for the one scene. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen Hereditary yet, but I've heard that like oh. a lot of people are like, oh, it's a ripoff of Rosemary's Baby. and like other Not ones. at all. Not at all. I don't think that's accurate whatsoever. I think it's closer to Exorcist. And actually, it's... Eh, it's it's a it's like it's like a nod to all those films mixed together, but it's done so incredibly well, and it just never stops being uneasy. The entire film, you just feel fucking gross. You're like, oh, because it captures parts of of okay. So not only does it make you weirded out because there's something creepy going on, but the way they captured when families fight is so dead spot on of how you used to feel when your parents would fight or when you would have an argument with your with your mother or father or vice versa, you're at a friend's house and their parents are fucking fighting and that really unsettling, like awkwardness. You just want to get the fuck out of there. They do a really good job of that in that movie all the time. Yeah. It's on my list to check out for sure. Yeah. I watched it illegally, but the, uh, the movie I liked the most that I watched this year out of these ones that I, I decided to go on my little run of watching all these acclaimed movies that I haven't seen was definitely it follows because it follows hit and this may just be me because I have like a certain amount, like you know, like you have kinks <laughs> sexually, and you, <laughs> yeah. you know, and you, you have a type. It's I'm that way with movies, and this this hit everything. It was like my type, you know, like it it had a great score. Yeah. It had really the music was really different. The, I'm a huge sucker for cinematography in a horror movie, and the cinematography was so like almost Wes Anderson-y with like how. Um, 
symmetrical shots were. And I'm a big fan of one-shot takes. I'm a big fan of things happening out of the fucking blue. Yeah. And it just nailed it across the board. And I want to say more, but I don't want to ruin the ending. But, like, I was a big fan of the ending. A lot of people hated the ending. But I'm like, you have to you have to understand what happened. Like, you have to understand that you... It reminded me... Like, my favorite horror movie of all time will be The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah, that's a great movie. Because it's just... It hits all those things I love. Like, you're not... You don't need a backstory or an end. Mm-hmm. You're just you're just in this. You're like dropping into this th- these people's lives for the most like two terrifying hours of their lives. Yeah. You know, um, and I think the thing and it follows had very very similar endings. Yes, because it's kind of ambiguous, but yeah. you kind of you kind of know what's going on. You know, the director blew my mind because the director made sure that. One of the things I, I really tip my hat the most to in this movie is how far the director went to fuck with the viewer subconsciously. Because you have to watch it over and over to realize that, like, I have no idea what time this fucking movie takes place. When you yeah. first watch it, that you was, think... That uh, was actually something that I had written down that I'd read in a few articles, too, that they did it intentionally. Yeah, they did it intentionally. You can't tell when it's taking place because you have these these vehicles that are from fucking all the vehicles are from like yeah. the 80s and like the 50s and then you have people using smart devices but then you have all the televisions are black and white and, yeah. and wooden and like but they do it subtly it's not a gimmick you know like you and don't even know weird like clamshell reading phone thing, thing. Yeah. yeah like what the fuck was that but even though like if you notice the sets when they're in front rooms or they're in environments it, it seems like i was like fuck that feel like that's like my grandma's house like the decor yeah the way the photos look, the way like the, the shit people are wearing, it, it was it shows... like the like the time of year too. So like you know, they're someone's wearing shorts and then someone else is wearing like a coat and scarf. Yeah, you can't even really pinpoint like the season really either, because oh, this person's going fucking swimming, and the next day they're wearing jackets and shit. Yeah, and I thought that was brilliant because it was done subtly, you know. And and I, I, every time I rewatch the film, I notice things I didn't notice before. Because the film itself is is like it's a re- I think it's a really original idea. Yeah, I love that. I, I've never seen a movie kind of touch on the antagonist being something that is. I mean, fuck it, we're doing an episode on you the movie. Spoil so. it, I mean, a little bit, yeah. So if like, you haven't watched like, it, go watch it and come back and listen or deal with spoilers. The whole idea is, and it's genius, is that it's it's almost like a curse, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. almost like it's an entity that exists in the world and it's not something that, I mean, everybody can feel and experience, but they can't see it. They can only see it if it's coming after you. Okay. And you, it'll, it'll morph itself to be look different. Sometimes it'll look like somebody you don't know. Sometimes it'll look like somebody you do know, but it can't run. And, what, what what was the one line in it? They said like it's not dumb, but it, it can't. It, it, they said that uh, it's not dumb, but you can't. It it won't be able to run fast. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. Like so, it's constantly it just, like always keeps coming. And then everything is always like kind of vague and mm-hmm. terrifying. It, it, like he says, like don't let it touch you, but you don't know why. Yeah, and you don't know and where it, it comes from or like it, anything else. It's just basically it's coming after you. You can't do anything. And it's constantly like it, it, it kind of hits on a lot of like fears, like a uh, home invasion. That's a big thing in the movie. 
because the thing has to physically break through your walls or your window to get to you. Like it has, it has to succumb to the rules of reality in the sense of only on the fact that it's invisible to everybody else except you if you have the quote unquote curse. The STD. (laughs) Yeah, it's an it's an STD demon. Yeah, so it's only passed through sex. It's a genius idea. Yep. The only the only way to keep it from following you is to fuck somebody else and it'll start following them. But but the the problem with that though is once they get killed, it's going back through their list. Yeah. So it might end up coming after you again. And so I was like, fuck, man, this is so But then I started thinking to myself, like, if if it was come after me, I would just like fly to Australia and just go to like a whorehouse and then fly back to yeah. America. And just bang as many people as they could, like just fucking. Well, there is the one scene with like the hookers in the movie. And yeah, like, yeah. There's hookers right there. <laughs> or the scene, like, and a lot of it's implied, right? Like, mm-hmm. they never really show that happening. They only show like main characters having sex, but they never show how people are trying to get rid of it. Like the whole boat scene on the yeah, beach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's genius. And and when it does come into frame, and when shit's going down, it's terrifying. I think one of the the best scenes in that film was when they were wanting to open the door. The first night that oh, they're yeah. all hanging out. And then she opens the door and there's that fucking tall like it always looks different, but it always looks fucked up. Yeah. And just that tall guy steps in, like ducks under the door, is walking towards her, and his eyes are caved out. And I was like, Oh, that's fucked up. Like that's yeah. fucked with me. And then the even the intro kinda you don't even know what's going on, but you're still like, Ooh, this is tense. This I love is like the whole like opening shot of the movie. I do just, too. Like, I'm the a whole one long shot and it's just like just the atmosphere of it all. I'm a sucker for intros like that. I'm big on like beginning strong in a film. A lot of my favorite films have these one take shots. Like Boogie Nights is one of my favorite films of all time. It has such an, an incredibly famous one take intro shot yeah. where they start from outside. Like before they had fucking um, what are those things? Drones. Drones. <laughs> Drones. They had to do this shit with a crane and then hand off the crane once it got into the door to a guy who had to seamlessly grab it and then yeah. walk through. And you know, I think it, it follows has obviously not to that grandeur of like a, an intro, but it definitely has something very similar that I immediately was like immersed in. I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna like this movie because I'm like, oh, what's going on? And it's weird, and it's not like fucking stupid. Like, oh, we moved into this house, and it's all. I hate when movies are all cheerful, and then all yeah. of a sudden they have this like they hit a button, and they're like, now it's gonna be a horror yeah, movie. Yeah, all the, all the setup, like, oh, let's just unpack all of our stuff in this new house that we moved into. Yeah, and the kids and then run then outside a, and they're playing. And we find this weird picture in the attic. Yeah. And oh, my hair got blown up by this. Wah. And I'm like, come on, man. Nobody's afraid of that shit anymore. I'm I'm sorry. I know you probably like these movies, but I just could not stand the Conjuring movies. I couldn't stand like because it's been done to death. Like people, there's like the Amity the yeah. Amityville Horror Poltergeist series. Like I've never been afraid of haunted house movies because it's just not. It's it's an it's like a fairy tale to me. It's not. It's it's been tried and true. Horror just movies like, like never scare me. Like I've never vampire movies aren't scary anymore. You know, like they were terrifying in the 20s until the 50s, yeah. and then. It, and then it became fashionable. I think the same thing happened with I like. Know. I think I got like being raised in the eighties, like growing up in the eighties, and me and my friend watching like a lot of movies that we were probably too young to be watching, like watching Freddy and Child's Play and all those kind of movies, like super young. I think we just kind of got like, I don't know if it's desensitized or what to it, to the point where like we went to watch the new It in the theater when it came out, 
and there's these this row of hated it there's this well i'm like old school it that's my it yeah me too the new i was laughing i was like yeah well that's what happened so there's this row of teenagers behind us and they're talking about oh this is like the first horror movie they're seeing and we're like you're a teenager and this is the first horror movie you're seeing like okay and then we're just like pissing ourselves laughing throughout the movie and they probably thought we were psychopaths like, because they're just, like, looking at us, and you can hear them just, like, making comments and stuff, because we're, like, laughing about it, and they're just, like, you know, screaming and scared, and we're, like, it's it's not scary. But you have to respect that you, that was you at some point in the past, right? Like... I don't think so, because, like, I remember seeing Silver Bullet, right? Like, yeah. You saw, saw Silver Bullet, right? Yeah. That just terrified me when I was eight years old. The only one but that pe- ever, like, weirded me out was probably Tremors. And it would really scare me so tremors. much as weird me out because we lived across yeah. the street from each other. And so I probably was like, you know, eight or nine or whatever, seeing it. And I made my mom come and like pick me up from across the street and walk back with me because <laughs> I was scared to walk across the pavement back across. You know what it is? It was a great idea, though, because it fucked with like you wa- you weren't safe anywhere. Right. Yeah. Like, as a kid, you always would step over cracks. You didn't want to step on lines. You were really conscious about where you were stepping. Very superstitious as a child. And it really hit that with a lot of people. Well, Tremors. that's why Freddy was great, too. Because you could be like, oh, I'll just go to sleep. I'm safe when I'm asleep. And Freddy's and like, nope. And you're not. Nope. <laughs> and that's what I missed. And I think like I think It Follows kind of brought that back. It yeah, because you're safe nowhere. You're, you lost control. It's making people afraid to have sex with people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, well, the like, thing with it, because like, with it always coming, we're like, yeah, you can get so far, but then it's going to catch up to you. So it's going to get you. running again. You always got to have a fucking plan. Yeah. And... To me, I was like, it's been a long time since I, I I watched a movie like that where afterwards I was kind of like creeping down my hallway looking, you know, yeah. or I went outside. I'm like, what's going on out here? Or you see like that one person kind of in the crowd. And you're like, why are they walking like that? Yeah, yeah. because it, it's great that in the movie the person walks a little differently Yeah, because they can't run. And then I rewatched the movie a couple times and I noticed that that character or the, you know, the 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 entity in it is actually in a lot of scenes yeah, that I didn't see them like in I, the background. I didn't see them in the first, the first viewing. And I think that that adds a lot. Cause you're not going to rewatch fucking like the conjuring two and see things you didn't see the first time. Exactly. You're, you're, you're led directly and linearly to what is supposed to be scary. And that's the fucking problem with horror movies. Yeah. Like you need to have that amount of, I don't know what the fuck's going on and I'm worried because that's literally as humans, what we're afraid of. We're yeah. afraid of the unknown. The whole reason we get creeped out and there's the uncanny valley is that our faces can't figure out our faces, our, our minds and our eyes can't figure out what's going on. So we start getting creeped out and we yeah. start feeling danger. Now, if it's put right in front of you, it's more like a fucking theme park. Yeah, exactly. Like, ah, you know, like, but if you, if it's happening out of nowhere and you don't know what's going to happen next, that's more realistic to what you're going to be afraid of in real life. Well, there was, and, um, the bye-bye man could have been done a lot better. But there's like one scene where like there's this creepy dog thing like coming out of this like wall, like a little hole in the wall or whatever. But it's yeah. just like enough where it's not in the center of the frame. It's like to the side of the frame and you just see like this like black shadowy thing coming out of the wall. Shit like that's scary because it's the way they framed it where, you know, it's not the main focus of what's happening in the scene. But it's just like black stuff in the background. Yeah. That's, the that's... stuff that your brain's like, what the fuck? That's what's creepy. That's what actually creeps you out as a human. If you walk around and you see a weird shadow, you're going to stop and be like, what the fuck? You're going to go on alert. Yeah. But if you if you see some fucking werewolf walk around the corner, you're like, oh, fuck, that ain't cool. But exactly. That's not, but that's not realistic. That would never happen. Yeah. But what would happen is you misinterpreting a shadow that looked like a, a werewolf coming around the corner. You know, it's like 
is terrifying. So the ones like the strangers and those kind of ones where it's like, yeah, but it's like the, you know, the home invasion or whatever. But for me, because it's like <laughs> we watch the strangers and then I'm not even like making this up that night. Someone came and ring our doorbell at three in the morning. Oh. <laughs> I have not watched that movie since. <laughs> it's like after watching the ring and then you just yeah. fucking get a phone call. Yeah. Well, I was like, what the fuck? No one ever rings my doorbell three in the morning. And then, like, the people, like, there's two people, and then they, like, went across the street to, like, the store that was there and used, like, the payphone and then, like, you know, left or whatever. But I'm, like, to watch a movie about, you know, home invasion where people come ring the doorbell, and then that night, you know, that happens. happens. Yeah. In the middle of the night, I'm, like, what the fuck? That's just more terrifying to me than, like, It or Conjuring or <laughs> any of that Because it's more stuff. realistic. It's something that could really happen to you. Yeah. I think, you know, the best home invasion um, um, thriller I've ever seen was Funny Games. Funny yeah. games That's fucked me one. up. I was like, fuck, man. This movie is so fucked up, but not too weird. It yeah. wasn't like... It didn't go this route of trying to be overly weird, like David David Lynch films, where you're like, oh, it's so weird that you gotta fucking love it. Like it's fine. I, I respect fucking David Lynch, but I'm not a big fan of his work, because it's just it's too much of him, and it's not enough of like... Like I get it, you're fucking cool, and you're you're a good director, and you have this vision. But like I, at some point, you've got obsessed with that like yeah. vision. Kind of yeah. something I think happened with it, Quentin Tarantino, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> so, but like funny games, and what's funny is there's two versions of the movie, and they're shot for shot filmed the exact same way. So like you can watch either one. They're they're exactly the same movie, <laughs> and. And the American version's uh, worth watching. Well, uh, both versions are worth watching, but like the idea, the premise is so out there, but also could happen, right? Like that's more, that's something that can happen way more often, probably has happened way more often than it, you know? Don't get me wrong, original it, so good. Television series, fucking amazing. The new one, I watched it, I'm like, this movie's trying way too fucking hard. Yep. With a generation that hasn't seen the original. And I get it, that's marketing. That's, That's what you have to do now. And it, maybe we're just getting old and we're like, this isn't as good as the original mummy from the 50s like our parents were, you know? like. But For me, though, I love, like, I love practical effects more than CGI. And, like... Absolutely. Tim Curry and shit, you know, just with, like, a little bit of fucked up teeth, to me, is more scary than, like, some weird CGI. Oh, yeah. Like, the, you know what? You know when I was, like, done with the movie was when they were watching... Um, they were in the garage watching that, like... Yeah, the slides. That, that, and I'm like, come on. Like, this isn't even scary. This is stupid at this point. This that could that scene could have been so much. It could have been done so much better if that nothing would have came out of the fucking screen. Yeah. And just the slides got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, and then something like hit the garage. Yeah. Instead of instead of fucking like they they and they then went, like the dad comes home and hits the door or something and it's yeah. Awesome. They went too far too fast with that, but you know what? It was super successful and everybody loved it. It was critically acclaimed. Whatever. I wasn't digging it. I I thought that it was. It wasn't. It wasn't that it was bad. It was. It wasn't a bad movie. It just like I already come into horror movies kind of like with high expectations. Yeah. Well, it's like when it, they remade Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm like, why? Eh. It was terrible. Like like when they remade The Thing, and I'm like, yeah. what the fuck is this shit? Yeah. They need to stop the same remaking way. stuff. It's stupid. Well, Make new they movies. Need to, they need to go back to practical effects, and I hope we're going that direction because CG. There's just a point where you're just like, this is not real. Yeah. And the, the whole reason slasher films in the past, in the 80s and 70s, were so good is because they had to fucking replicate body parts and blood and gore 
with actual like you know like fucking the original fucking Night of the Living Dead and and Dawn of the Dead and Day yeah. of the Dead. Yeah, they're campy and they're ridiculous, but they're really gruesome because they did a really good job on making people look like they were getting ripped in half. Exactly. And 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 I think people went too far. Like Eli Roth may have been like, "Oh, I'm gonna take this idea and run with it," but he got too obsessed with the close-up, yeah. disgusting gore. He's like the Ren and Stimpy of horror directors. Like, <laughs> yeah, when they like do the zoom in on. Yeah, stuff. like that's how I feel about him. I'm like, he's good. <laughs> I like his work. Don't get me wrong. I love Cabin Fever. Oh, right? I love Cabin Fever. The, and like again, why they remake it? And then Hostel was actually good. I like the first Hostel, but then it started like that started this whole fucking trend of. Everything's got to be up close, disgusting, and hard to watch. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, that's not scary. That's just grossing me out. Exactly. You know? You're taking away. You know what's funny is I, one of the best horror movies, actually my favorite movie of all time currently because it changes every now and then. But as, as of today, it's still No Country for Old Men because it was able to be a horror film when it wasn't. It yeah. had a slasher. You know, it had a slasher character that reminded me of like old school slasher characters, yeah. but it was it was all realistic. I haven't seen that done ever, ever. No other movie have I ever seen them incorporate this Jason, Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers type character in a realistic situation. Where that's true. And it wasn't even like the point of the film. He was just the antagonist. And I was so blown away by it just hit a lot of good things for me. And and the fact there was no music in the film. I don't know why I loved that. But uh, it just it's not even a scary film. But the whole time I was like so fucking engaged. I was like, oh, my God. But before that, it was Boogie Nights. That shows you how often my favorite movies change. <laughs> my, but yeah. Mine are like mostly the same same ones throughout time, and it's usually like Trainspotting, Empire Records. <laughs> oh, it's two movies I've never seen? Okay. Trainspotting is a great movie. I, I, I don't doubt you. I, I, I've, a lot of people have told me that's actually one of their favorites. I just It's just one of those movies I never got around to seeing. You, know, you have that list that people are always like, are you yeah. fucking kidding me? Like for me, it's like I've never seen Nightmare Before Christmas, never seen Princess Bride, never seen yeah. like all these films. And people are like, you blah, blah, blah. And then they go see Transformers in theater. And I'm like, well, I'm not really going to take your advice. I know they're good movies, but I, I'll watch them on my own accord. I have nothing ever to drive me in the past to watch them. The thing that's always- the problem with a lot of those movies too is it's not that it's like a good movie per se. It's the nostalgia we build around it. Exactly. Like I don't have that initially with it, so therefore yeah. I'm I'm not watching it from the set of eyes that they did. Exactly. So if you go into it and you're gonna like watch Princess Bride now, it's not gonna be the same as like, you know, me being twelve and watching Princess Bride and like it, having that nostalgia feeling. And every and time you, I watch it I get that feeling back, but you would never have that connection. That's the way I am with heavyweights, like Disney's heavyweights. Like I fucking love that movie to death. But if I would have never seen it before and watched it yesterday, I probably would be like, This movie's okay. Yeah. But I can watch a movie over and over and over and remember how much I used to be obsessed with, with wanting to go to summer camp, you know, and and how much uh, Ben Stiller's character makes me laugh because he's so fucking absurd. But yeah, I um, But, oh, man, we've gone so far off of it. But <laughs> it follows is to me is the right direction we need to be going with horror movies. And I feel like it came out like 2015. So it's yeah. actually the oldest of the ones I've watched. But I, I feel like since I've watched ones since then that are all they're kind of their own genre now of being like horror films that are partial psychological thrillers but yeah. still still have this slashery aspect that's aspect what i like is the the story and the atmosphere like the atmosphere of the movie is what draws you in because you want to you want to you need to feel what that character's feeling if you yeah. don't you don't give a fuck you know exactly but but at the same time i fucking love the evil dead 
series. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a part of me that I feel like maybe I've just evolved as a viewer. But every now and then I'll watch a slasher film. I'm like, this is fucking dope. Like, this is fun. This is, I don't know. I, we're all different. Like my opinion isn't, isn't the best. It's just my opinion. I just feel like I'm kind of excited now the direction we're going. And, and it follows really set a nice standard for, and I'm sure there were movies before it that I maybe I haven't seen yet or have that perhaps were, you know, like leading towards this trend, but I hope yeah. it continues. I really think like get out getting all the acclaim it did and hereditary kind of also doing that kind of showed, um, at least America domestically, what people are kind of into now with horror. And I really yeah. hope it continues that path because, you know, nobody expected Get Out to win Oscars. Yeah, and Heredi- exactly. And Hereditary was like pretty much an independent film that got a lot of like praise from the. And I don't really give a shit about these award ceremonies, but I do give a shit enough to that they set the standards for the trend that's going to happen. And a lot of people can be all punk rock about, oh, I don't watch them. I don't, fucking Grammys and Oscars suck. But I'm like, but you don't realize is that they're they're setting the blueprint for everybody else to make movies. Yeah, that's what drives the next ones because then the studio's like, oh, this did good and got awards. We yeah, can make this is getting movies. attention. Yeah, exactly. And so that they are important. They are important. Are they convoluted and stupid and full of of, of conspiracy and controversy? Absolutely. Yeah. But if a movie like like Get Out is getting Oscars, um, that means more movies like Get Out are going to be made. Exactly. And, and then, like, It Follows may have been a, a precursor to Get Out in a sense of it may have influenced uh, the director. I can't think of his name. Uh, Jordan Jordan Peele. It, it could have influenced him to want to make that movie. I don't know. But I can tell you that they're, they're, they're kind of similar in the way that they're directed. Yeah. They're not spot on, but they're definitely in the same category of horror movies. And I'm a big sucker for fucking found footage films. I don't <laughs> care how bad they are. I don't care. Like, I always stick through them. And... It's like my my guilty pleasure, like as above, uh, so below. Oh, That's on I, I love that movie. That movie's I on Netflix. I just watched that recently, and I was like, the story in it, I think, was like so good that it could have like it's beats any other found footage movie because it had like an awesome plot to it. It wasn't just like we took this camera out into the woods. Let's right. see what happens. You know, personally, I wish they would have just made that the Laura Croft movie because I think it's more Tomb Raider than any <laughs> yeah. Tomb Raider movie I've ever seen. Yeah, totally. Except for the ending. But they they. But the ending like, is so cool. <laughs> it is cool, but it's not very Tomb Raider-y. Well, wow. I guess it is, Aww. but eh, it's debatable. But these movies, like, I love those movies, and and I loved. Like, there's so many good ones right now on Netflix, and some of them aren't like super good, but they're worth watching. Like the Ritual, I thought was reminded me of like, but I'm a, I love I love like scary things, and so like when I watched the Ritual, it reminded me of like H.P. Lovecraft short stories I liked. You know, and like I'm, I'm associating my my past interests yeah. to these things that I'm noticing maybe be in there. They might be influences from, like our caliber. Caliber reminded me of 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 like frailty and and um, God, frailty is so good That's and it was really so good movie. so underrated. Frailty and Stir of Echoes, I think, are the two most underrated fucking I horror movies I've, 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 I've ever is seen. So good. They're both so good, but they were outshined by a bigger horror movie when they came out. So because Stir of Echoes was competing with Six Sense. Yeah. And the Sixth and Sense Sir, is one of those ones where it's a good movie, but you can't rewatch it because you already know the end. Right, and it's not, and it, it's good. Don't get me wrong; like Six oh, Sense yeah, is fantastic, but it, but it's just like any other, like like uh, you know, horror house movie, you know, like or um, you know, like it, I consider it same thing as watching 
the conjuring where you already know what ends up at the end so you, yeah. go, you have no you have no you have no reason to rewatch it yeah. but you want to but you want to rewatch get out because it has such an open ended not not get out i'm sorry uh, it follows because it has yeah. such an o- open ended ending even though that's a really oxymoron statement <laughs> that and then you pick up on things cuz you you're trying to figure out the ending cuz you know like just like the thing yeah it it follows as a very similar ambiguous ending yeah. where you're like what the fuck like but then at the same time you're like Whoa, whoa, I gotta fucking rewind it and see what's going on in this last fucking two minutes. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, fuck it, I'm gonna watch the whole movie over again. And then you watch it over again and you start noticing other things. Movies like The Sixth Sense, you don't do that because it's all built up to this big climax. You can kind of it, like, I think Sixth Sense, you can watch it the first time and then you find out like the big reveal and then it'll make you kind of want to go watch it a second time to be like, oh, okay, I can see this coming now and then that's it. Like you'd be right, able to watch it the, to- the two times. It, and don't get me wrong, like, um, it's directed well, mm-hmm. but it's also very linear. Yeah. Like, the, the, the hints are there for a reason. And I like a little bit of open-endedness in a horror movie, where it's like, things are happening and, and you don't know what the fuck, and you'll never know why. Yeah. You know, but but you'll make your assumptions. Because it opens up the it opens the field for, uh, like, uh, debate with people who also saw the film. You know what's so funny? Out of M. Night Shyamalan's films, I love one of his films that everybody fucking hates. Is Can it you Lady guess in the Water? No, I fucking did not like that movie. <laughs> I couldn't even. I, I couldn't tell what the fuck kind of movie it was. I like I'm Lady like, in the Water because it's like a fairy tale. It. I, that's the thing that was. I think I walked in with the wrong expectations when I watched it. But no, it's 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 the happening. I like the happening. The happening is good. I like that movie because it's a great premise. Yep, and it's kind it's of realistic because it's the bees. Well, it's not even. Yeah, it's not even just that though. It's just like Mother Nature could be like this species is a cancer on me i'm gonna yeah. fucking evolve into taking them out you know yeah. and like that's that's a very i mean the casting was questionable but i liked the movie i watched the whole thing i liked the idea that people are just killing themselves for no reason nobody knows what's going on i loved it i thought it had great tension but everybody made fun of it because mark Wahlberg's performance was like shaky <laughs> it's mark and, mark. What do you and want? people were like people were like what a stupid fucking twist it was the trees i'm like it wasn't the trees guys you missed the fucking point <laughs> Like, but it's M. Night Shyamalan. It's going to be a twist. What yes. A twist. <laughs> and I always, I'll watch every movie he ever makes because I just like, I don't know. The, a lot of them, were, I just watched uh, Split and I was like on the fence about it. Like I thought it was good, but I'll never watch it again because it was exhausting to watch. I got about halfway through and I was just like, I can't, I'm not doing this anymore. And I turned it, it doesn't. It doesn't really have, it has a pretty good ending though. I don't know if you know what happens at the very end. I don't know. But it, I don't think I've ever it, even bothered to look into it. <laughs> well, the ending the ending uh, shows you that it was a part of another movie that you've already seen. Oh, yeah, because then they made a sequel to it. And I hated that movie. Oh, I did not like Unbreakable at all. I hated it. But the characters from Unbreakable are at the end of that movie. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's his, sequel, that's his big like, twist. This is dumb. Well, no, I think it's like the, the fucking... I don't even know because it's a sequel to two movies. That's weird. Has that ever happened? I don't know. I don't think so. It's one sequel to two different movies. Yeah, because it like unless it's you know one where you know it's been like part of a franchise, but this is like you didn't really know it was part of it. I'm also kind of pissed that he's gone this route because I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, go back to to what you're fucking good at, which was Signs. I yeah, loved Signs. Signs was really good. Hated the ending, but I loved Signs. I loved fucking Six Sense. I loved fucking like uh the 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 happening they all have a lot of the same things in common he was really good at that and my shaman really owned the i don't know what the fuck's going on yeah and i got i got like 10 percent of the information and it's creeping me out and then you have this reveal and, and some of them paid off some of them didn't but like 
I don't know. I feel like like I don't know why he's trying to fucking go into like mixing his movies together that were okay. Yeah. Like I don't know anybody who really likes Unbreakable. I never met one person who's like that movie's fucking the shit. My favorite movie. I'm like it was okay. It was interesting, but it's not worth a fucking combine like having a meta movie like having an Avengers of your yeah. horror movies. Like what the fuck? I, I don't know. But then again, he's been hit or miss, but he keeps getting money. So yeah, exactly. Well, it's at this point, it's probably better than them keep like rebooting stuff and remaking things and doing twenty-year-old sequels to things. They're not going to stop that. Ugh. There's no more. There's no more original ideas, really. That's like, the problem, uh, though. I like I hate all these like, oh, this movie's getting remade and they're redoing this TV show. Like, why? <laughs> well, you know, it's Make there's new stuff. Because they don't know what to do. Because then they try new stuff, it fucking bombs. You know, and then they, they try to remake things, and then those bomb, and the ones that don't, they just fucking oversaturate. And then you're like, fuck, it's, everything sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, the, honestly, the true horror these days, like the true scary movies, exist in YouTube, I think, through people's creativity. And there's so much, there's so much content in YouTube that. I mean, you can uh, so much. That's so good because it's different platforms. You know, yeah. you're seeing. We did a whole episode on the. Um, it was like the channel. Uh, God, I can't even remember my own fucking <laughs> show. But it was it was a uh, it was the local 58 episode, and we talked about like it was this short series some guy did as like an art project, I guess, for his school. But he made these like short little films. He didn't use any people in them, and they were all had this overwhelming theme of. Um, of, of, of just everyday life and something wrong happening that's major and it was fantastic you know and yeah. you're not going to get you're not going to get that kind of like um, exposure to that kind of art of scariness in a theater because it has to have this amazingly big budget and all these producers involved and this runtime and and these people involved and it has to be well planned out and take fucking years of production to even make it to a theater but yet you have these people with these like really interesting original ideas that they can just make it whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. And so a lot of people are, are discounting like YouTube as a great source for scary things. Well, I think I mean, that that goes back to you saying like with Netflix too, or how that sort of like helped a lot more stuff come out. A little like more freedom. Movies. Yeah. Yeah. A little more. But unfortunately Netflix is getting so fucking big and yeah. that they're ending up becoming the new theater, you know, where the Netflix original movies have these, ridiculous budgets and and it, it kind of breaks my heart because like they really uh, for a while there they were like the B movie B movie horror fucking archive I love and, B movies but it's it's hard to uh I, I'm still really optimistic now than I've ever been about you, this genre have you seen Rubber no Rubber is a great movie is it like from the guy who did Gummo no it's about That's a tire weird. No, is it kill everybody? I think I've heard about this. Yeah, is it, it's like a tire that can kill people. Yeah, with a sentient tire mind. But there's like I this ha- great line, like where the one guy's talking about stuff, and he's like, you know, like what has happened? He's like, who knows? He's like, don't ask why. It's kind of like the most things you're like, just just watch the movie and don't worry about it. <laughs> That's funny. I'm, I'm gonna watch it now. I, I, I've had it on like in the back of my head. And, it's like, it's really great. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna watch it. You have to watch Hereditary because. That movie's fucked up. Another God. good one on Netflix that I watched recently was Boys in the Trees or The Boy in the Trees, something like I never, that. Never heard of it. It's Australian. It's a horror movie. It's pretty good. It's got a it's twist. It's a good Australian horror. <laughs> I like twists. 
I like that part of it. I mean, I like it. I like the genre. I, I feel like it's always going to be reinventing itself. And we had a little bit of a downtime with the whole like Saw 8, Saw 9, oh, Hostel uh, 3, yeah. fucking all that shit. But I think it's on a good path. I think uh, It Follows really helped push the genre in a direction it needed to go. I hope a lot more found footage films come out because those are my favorites. Like I just, we they're just such had, like a big found footage wave though, with all the paranormal activities and Cloverfield. And... They almost fucked it up though. Yeah, that was like when Hollywood got their fingers in it for a little bit, and it was okay at first, and then they just fucking overdid it, like they yeah. always do. I mean, I've seen some bad found footage films, well, more bad than good, but there's always something about them that I like. I take something away. Like, I the think worst nothing film... will ever like recapture the magic of Blair Witch for me. <laughs> no, but it's it, it's good to respect that, just like mm-hmm. how like the original Nosferatu kind of set the path for vampire films nowadays. Yeah, you know, like you got to respect where it originated, but there's still a lot of creative creative like landscape there and a lot of frontier to explore. And I feel that with found footage films, you can really you can make them anywhere at any time, as long as you just fucking you're you have a good writing or a good mind. Yeah, well, that's why like As Above, So Below was so good because it ha- actually had like a plot to it. It was well put together. Incredibly yeah. well put together. I, I'm surprised it has such a low Rotten Tomatoes rating. I was like, really? 25%? Not that I give a fuck about Rotten Tomatoes, but I'm like, usually they're they're pretty close in what I feel about movies. And to think that that, that was way off. Like, yeah. tw- It's worth seeing. It's good. It's entertaining, and it has a great kind of like Tomb Raider-y thing going on with a lot of like scariness. And they, they literally filmed it. In the fucking catacombs. Yeah, and they actually like were one of the few to actually get permits because a lot there was like I was reading about it and they're saying like a lot of the times when people like they have their movie set in the catacombs, it's not actually filmed there. Right. Which oh, I couldn't imagine trying to build that fucking set. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean it's totally worth seeing. I think it was. I, you know what? Some movies you watch, you, you can tell they're a labor of love. Mm-hmm. And some of them you can tell they're just made for money, and that's the big differentiate there yeah. is. And found footage films always have that labor of love somewhere in them, even the shitty ones. Somebody yeah, exactly. believe. I, I mean, that's pretty much all I have to say about this movie. That's all I have to say about that. So I'd say a boot that. <laughs> well, if people want to find you online to listen to your podcast and such, where can they find it? Oh. I didn't even say. So you do a podcast. I do do a podcast. I'll do that in the intro, but what's your podcast it's... about? What? <laughs> <laughs> My podcast is called. Well, it's not mine. It's it's mine and Derek's and Eric's at this point. But it's called Life Bites. That's L I F E B Y T E S. And we just um, our show primarily. It's kind of like it's it's not really have a set thing other than we try to find really weird shit on the internet and share it with people. And by weird, I don't mean like oh girls shitting in each other's mouths. I mean like things that are disturbing or weird or like real life things that are fucked up or crazy. Try to find things that people don't know about. Like and, and kind of, and yeah, Beetle Bakken's, so the Beetle Bakken's era. Good God. Well, we try to introduce people to things that like, everybody loves like a true crime podcast. We, we don't try to be that. We, we tr- straight away. We want to be like the forefront on things on the internet that people, we, we love, the, you know what makes us really happy is when people contact us and they're like, just listen to the show. Then we start doing some, start looking the shit up and it, they tell me things that I didn't even find in my research. And to me, I'm like, that's awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you for, uh, cause that's what I want. You know, like I, everybody can listen to a podcast about fucking whatever serial killer and, and they do a good job and they exist, but I can't, I'm not that kind. I just can't, I don't have the time to sit down and study something that's been covered 6,000 times and try to put my own spin on it. Yeah. I want to, I want to be like, dude, I found this Reddit about this guy who has been fucking 
had his dead sister in a room for a month and is asking what to do and he just you know like, like things like yeah. that like that that's why it's called life bites because we, we're trying to i mean some obviously a lot of the topics we cover sometimes they get debunked and we find out that you know they haven't been real the whole time and and we know that but a lot of it has to do with with pretty much the found footage of the internet you know like i think that that's the best way to describe it is we we, we find things in life that are actually scary and weird and we try to like share it with people and let them make the decision. But every now and then we have an episode where I do drugs live or <laughs> I fucking review beers, hobo beers and get fucked up or like eat magic berries and, and taste things. But <laughs> those aren't all or, or expose my fucking my rap career from the early 2000s. <laughs> but I think that's just a part of the show. That's just yeah. what it is. Yeah. Like I, I don't want to always have to do the same thing over and over because then you, you're you're grasping for straws for content. And so exactly. Yeah. So thank you uh, for letting me plug my show. It's great. It's available on uh, everything. iTunes. Uh, what's that? Uh, Spotify, Google Play, yeah. all kinds of shit. It's other places, too, I assume. But <laughs> Life Bites Podcast. Yeah. LifeBitesPodcast.com. dot com. We have a Facebook, but I haven't. I got rid of my Facebook, so I don't even know what's going on there. <laughs> but on Instagram. Instagram, I'm on Instagram. Yeah, I love Instagram. It's it's it's, it's very positive stuff all the time, unlike Facebook. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's hard to like be shitty and like express your vague bullshit, cynical opinion, and have to take a picture and add filters. You know, <laughs> yes. like people don't want to go that far. You know, they, <laughs> that's a they lot of sh- work. <laughs> yeah, they want to share like something somebody else wrote and then put at the top like so true. Yeah, like they, they don't want to take a picture of like a fucking doctor and be like, "This is my life, black and white filter." <laughs> so so deep. So yeah, well, I'm on just it. checking it out and hitting you up on Instagram. And your shows too. I'm 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 stoked to be on your your show. This is actually like the real first time I think I've been on somebody else's show like officially. Like I've done like talking and texting interviews, but not not texting, but like typing. But I haven't really like been an actual like guest on somebody's show. Oh, I actually know Silver King. But but I was I didn't have a show back then. I was just like some <laughs> fucking dude that they knew. So um, it's a, it's an absolute pleasure and honor to be on your show. I'm <laughs> well, not sure. Is this the podcast? Is this the podcast? This is Little Geek Lost. Oh yeah, it's Little Geek Lost. Okay. <laughs> oh, fuck that up. Like I am so happy to be on your show, the Joe Rogan Experience. Thank you. <laughs> No, it has been Little Geek Lost. Thanks for tuning in to Little Geek Lost. As always, you can find anything Little Geek Lost related on my website, littlegeeklost.com. And the podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, all those podcatching apps. Just search Little Geek Lost and you will find it. <laughs>